Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hey everybody, welcome to Sowing Hope. This evening I am Bill Snyder. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, tonight my co-host, my trusty co-host, is unfortunately off this evening. So you have just Bill Snyder, the Bill Snyder half of the Sowing Hope uh, podcast. But thank you so much for tuning in and joining us on Fiat Ministry Network on the St. Raymond Nonatus channel and also on Fiat Ministry Network. We really do appreciate uh, you tuning in. No matter how you're listening to us, thank you. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I have a wonderful guest. So it's not just me talking at you for a full hour because that would be uh, incredibly boring. I have another William who is uh, joining me today, uh, William Hemsworth. He is a convert to Catholicism who converted to Catholicism while attending a Baptist seminary. He is a husband and father of four who makes his home in Tucson, Arizona. William is a very popular blogger with pieces on Catholic Exchange, Patheos, Catholic Stand, and also writes for Epic Pew. His podcast, Know the Faith, Defend the Faith, strives to show Catholics how to evangelize and defend their faith. You can learn more about him at williamhemsworth.com. William Hemsworth, welcome to Sowing Hope. Thank you so much for being here. Bill, it's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me. Thank, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, no, it's be wonderful. And, you know, on this program, uh, we just love to begin uh, with faith journey, you know, uh, and and really that hope filled faith journey and where the uh, you know, you know, how how you came into understanding Jesus as, you know, that personal that personal God that transforms your life. And clearly that happened because you're a convert. So. Tell us the story. Oh, wow. My story. Well, I guess it starts when I was 13. I, how much time we got? We got an hour. So, <laughs> so we got plenty of time. I know, when, I, when, I was, when I was 12 years old, my mom decided that she wanted to start taking my sister and I to church. And there was a church right up the road from us called Sunset Wesleyan Church, and that's where she took us. And when I was 13, I made the profession of faith at camp, uh, chose to be baptized, and was involved with the youth group throughout my high school years. I uh, joined the army when I was 17. Uh, became, felt the call to ministry back then. So I, I was able to choose whatever job I wanted. So I decided I'm going to be a chaplain assistant. That way I could work with all kinds of different faiths. I'd work with Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox, Episcopalian, Muslim, Jewish, even a Wiccan chaplain, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Um, not directly, just I knew yeah. he was there. I wrote right. a memo for him. That was the extent of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Just interesting. But, but yeah, I had, those, I had those common misconceptions about, you know, Catholicism. Catholics don't read the Bible, etc. And the first mass I had to work at was at Hunt Army Airfield in Georgia. And I was sitting on the mezzanine. They had a mezzanine there. I was working the sound system. And it was time for the mass. I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here and see what this mass is about. So the mass starts, there was a reading from Isaiah, of course, the Psalm, a reading from Romans, and then a reading from the Gospel of Mark. And I remember thinking, there's a lot of scripture there. That's a lot more than the two or three verses that I normally hear in the Protestant service. 
then the priest gets up and gives this 45 minute homily on the gospel of Mark, which is very unusual, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's unusual. It went so long that the Protestant service started about a half hour late, which was kind of funny because the base chaplain led the Protestant service. Like his boss led the next one. So his boss was a half hour late. And so I had that misconception, that misconception about the Catholics not reading the Bible. Um, wasn't really true, but I mean, kind of fast forward. I was 19, I was 19. So things of faith weren't really important at that time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot as a lot of 19 year olds. It's not the case. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Um, met my wife in 2003 and mm-hmm. she's, she, she's a cradle Catholic. Yeah. And she's, I, I want to, she's like, I want to get married in the Catholic church. And I had this great idea, Bill. I said, okay, I'm just going to become Catholic then. No big deal. Not a big deal at all. <laughs> um, went through RCIA. Uh, we started making the wedding plans. Um, but this whole issue of an annulment came up because I made a stupid decision when I was 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, rushed into something I had no business doing. Um, now, my wife and I, we went, we didn't, we didn't know what the church really taught about the sacrament of matrimony. Sure. In our minds, we thought, okay, we already paid for the reception. We already sent out the send the date cards. We have to go forward. <laughs> okay. And, and we did. But in the meantime, the annulment was done. Um, went through our CIA again, came into the church. But the whole thing, Bill, I came into the church for her. I didn't come into it because of me. It's, I didn't believe some things about the church taught. Like it's teaching on the Eucharist, for example, which is all over the news right now. Yeah, I I didn't believe what the church believed it what what church believes it is, Um, and so like Bishop Fulton Sheen said, if you don't believe what the church teaches about the Eucharist, it's only a matter of time before you fall away, and that's really what happened. Hmm. Is over the next couple of years, I really fell away. Um, I was still searching for truth, at least in my mind. But in my mind, I, there's no way it could be the Catholic Church. Absolutely no way. It doesn't make sense that bread could turn into body and blood. Okay, it doesn't make sense. I, I believe I believe that Jesus is the Son of God or sins on the cross and rose again on the third day. That was embedded in me in the Wesleyan Church I grew up in. But one day I was listening to James White, who's a Protestant apologist, and he said, you know, the Catholics believe that the Church Fathers were Catholic. And again, Bill, I had this brilliant idea. I'm like, I'm going to prove that the church fathers were not Catholic. So much so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a Baptist seminary, and I'm going to study church history for the specific purpose of proving that the church fathers were not Catholic. So we go through some intermediary courses, and then we finally come to the first church history course. And we, uh, we, read, we started reading the church fathers. So the first one we read was Ignatius of Antioch. And if you haven't read the works of Ignatius of Antioch, you really need to. But he said that the heretics don't participate in the Eucharist because they don't believe that it's the body and blood of Christ. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's pretty harsh, harsh words there. Hmm. And he said, you know, you have to believe you have to be in union with the bishop. And he's talking about how the Roman church has preeminent authority. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, but I call this the first Holy Spirit into the uh, frying pan hit to the head, but I rationalized it away. I was like, okay, I'll move on. 
I started reading uh, St. Polycarp, who's now my patron. And what I found in his writings, his martyrdom after he was burnt, after he was burned at the stake is that the followers came to get his bones and they revered his bones. Well, there's relics. Yeah. He quoted Tobit as scripture, Tobit 410, right along time, right alongside first Peter five, five. Because for those that don't know, um, Protestants don't believe that Tobit is part of scripture. Well, here's St. Polycarp quoting it as scripture. Another frying pan moment for me. What really got me was the next two, though. Uh, First was Justin Justin Martyr, St. Justin Martyr. We were reading his first apology. And he gives this primitive outline of the Mass. How the prophets are read. The memoirs of the apostles are read, and then the presider gives a, says some words about the gospel. People bring up what, the gifts, and the presider prays over them, and only those who are baptized can partake, because we believe it's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. There's those words again, and mm. Bill, in my mind, I, th- I had this where I thought was this revelation. I'm like, where's this church at? I need to find where this church is. Because <laughs> yeah. it's it's, it has to still yeah. be around this close to this close to the time of Christ. For those that St. Justin is writing this in about 150-ish. Right. So very early on. I'm like, where's this church at? How naive was I? How prideful was I? I was already, I already saw that church. But anyway. Oh, wow. I wanted I didn't find out where this church was. And then I started reading St. Irenaeus. We had to we had to do this assignment about the rule of faith. And for for those that don't know, he he write he he's writing to the not he's writing against the Gnostics in this book, which I recommend everyone read, called Against Heresies. And he says, you know, you say to he's saying to the Gnostics, and I'm summarizing, you say you're part of the true church. Well, the true church can trace its lineage back to the apostles. And he 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 points to then he brings up the Eucharist again. He's like, we believe, and that's been taught, that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ. But what really got me is that he said every church has to agree with the church in Rome because of its preeminent authority. Mm. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? This is Catholic stuff here. This is Catholic. Yeah. And wow, I, I never forget. I, I remember sitting there reading this. I was sitting in this very room, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that final, there it is. There's that pan. Like, I have a decision to make. Yeah. Is the Catholic Church true or not? So here's the Church Fathers early on. In the first three, four centuries, the Eucharist is the body and blood of Jesus. They're talking about apostolic succession. Talk about relics. They're talking about obeying the bishop. Talking about the primacy of the Church of Rome. Like, what is going on here? There was still one thing, though. I had this issue with the Assumption of Mary. And for those who are Catholic listening, you're probably the, the simplest idea in the universe. I know I look at it now, I'm like, okay, it's super simple. But in a Protestant's mind, everything has to be substantiated by Scripture. You know, sola scriptura, right? Right. But logically, I remember sitting on Facebook one day, and Scott, a video, this video by Scott Hahn comes up. And it's about the assumption of Mary. Every objection that he's talking about was one I had. 
every single one of them it was like almost in order you talk about a holy spirit moment there yeah and finally it, it dawned on me all these churches all these old churches that we see are built upon the body of a martyr for example like uh saint peter's basilica whatever the case is if our blessed mother had died and was not assumed there'd be this huge church built on, on uh, where the, over yeah. the where the tomb is in her honor because of the relics are there there's no church in the world that claims to have her bones absolutely none yeah and when this dawned on me it was like whoa that is so simple it makes total sense and i thought i had this revelation that's what Scott Hahn said in that video. Tim Staples said in his book, Behold Your Mother. That's one of the arguments for it. But I thought I had this revelation. I was like, whoa, that's fantastic. Anyway, so I, th- I was like, okay, the Catholic Church is true. I remember sitting in Mass on a, uh, on Sunday with my wife, because I was still going to Mass with her at this point, which some people think is really weird, because I, I wanted to support her. I wanted, Churches, for me, it's always been you go to church as a family. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be with her, but I'm sitting there at mass and there's this voice in my head said that church that you're looking for, that you read about in St. Justin Martyr, you've been in it this whole time. And I sat there, mm. I sat back and it was just as the priest um, raised the host. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I went to confession that next Saturday, Bill. Yeah. I said, you know, bless me, Father, I've sinned. It's been, I think it was four years at that point. And of course, I'm so nervous, like a lot of us are when you go to confession, right? Yeah. It's been four years, and I've done everything I can to disprove the Catholic Church at this point. <laughs> so I'm like, Father, bless me, I've sinned. It's been four years. He's like, four years. I'm like, yes, Father. He's like, did you bring a lunch? And he, he this little joke broke all the tension that I had. I, and we started laughing in the confessional. No, I'm like, but like, it's like cr- laugh crying. It's this mixture, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's probably snot coming down and all this right. stuff. Yeah. And I tell him everything. He's like, he's like, son. And Father Schubert, God bless him. He's he's passed away a few years ago, but he's like, son, you're here now. Use everything you've learned about the church. It's going to help you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's here, but you're forgiven. And, and that was it. Um, that next Monday. So the next Monday I'm in, my, in the parking lot at work. I worked at a bank at the time. I'm waiting for the door to open. I'm sitting in my car and I sent a text message to my wife. I just said, I'm in. And she responds back. She's like, what do you mean you're in? What are you talking about? Your text makes no sense. Cause there's no context. It's just says, I'm yeah. in. I mean, yeah. And I'm like, Catholic church is true. And she's like, I knew you had to find the answer for yourself. Mm. She knew I was searching. Yeah. Some of these books I have behind me, they, yeah. they're books I bought searching. Okay. I was honestly searching, but it was pride keeping me from seeing so plainly what had been in front of me the whole time. What I really didn't want to see. Okay. Because yeah. I had this plan. I've been called to ministry from an early age. I, I, I felt like I had to do something. If I became Catholic, what do I do with that? I'm mm. married. I can't be a priest. Yeah. But Bill, you and I know that there's so many things in ministry that you can do in the Catholic Church without being a priest. Mm-hmm. A million things. Yeah. 
uh, a million things, but I sent, I sent the message to my wife and she's, she responds back and she's like, I knew you had to find the answer on your own. She, and she, she admitted later on, she's like, I wanted to reach out to Scott Hahn and all these and see what I can do or if they can send you anything. But I knew you had to find the answer on your own. Cause I knew if I kept pushing you, if I kept giving you stuff, it would just push you away. Yeah. She's, she's like, I just prayed. That's all I can really do. And, I really, I believe my heart of hearts, I, I put her through the ringer in those few years because I was doing everything I can to say, hey, how the church believes this. This isn't in the Bible, even though it was plainly, especially with the <laughs> Eucharist in John 6. <laughs> yeah, right. Looking back on it now, like, come on, knucklehead. <laughs> but she knew I had to find it on my own. And she's like, I just want us to go to church. I want us to grow old in the church. I was like, well, we, we will. I know it's true. I know it's true. So in a nutshell, that's kind of my story. <laughs> you know, it's a, it, you know, it, it, it really is a beautiful story. And there's so many moments in there, you know, as you called them, frying pan moments, you know, where like, okay, the Holy Spirit, you know, whacked you across the face and said, all right, um, you know, here, here I am, here I am, here I am. And it just kept leading you deeper and deeper into, into it. And now you're involved in this ministry and, you know, it's, it's beautiful, uh, because because of the journey you've taken, now you can help so many others, and that's and that's an incredible thing. Um, I I know um, you know and and forgive the um, you know promotion here, but uh, folks, if you want more of Williams work especially on the eucharist uh he has an amazing video series on our patreon um that 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 you so generously did for us uh you know and 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 it truly is amazing so i encourage people to head over to our patreon and take a look at it and really delve deep into the eucharist but i would love to know your because you also alluded to it a little bit here um that the eucharist is really front and center right now uh in our in our culture uh because of what the united the state's conference of catholic bishops uh came out with or, or is seeking right. to clarify so i just wonder if you have any perspective on that knowing that that really is something for you that that drew you into the faith and you know helped you realize that christ is real and this you know so what how, how do we manage and make it through these times as catholics with all that's swirling around about it right and that's a really deep question i look back on my own journey bill because like i said i came into the church for the wrong reason I was participating in the Eucharistic feast without believing what the church believed it was. I believed it was symbolic while I was taking it. And I look back, I look back to St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. You know, he's saying, I pass on to you what the Lord said to me that on the night I was, night he, he was betrayed. He took bread and said, this is my body. And if you partake of the body and blood unworthily, you reap condemnation on yourself. How can you reap condemnation on yourself on something that is symbolic? Okay. Hmm. So if you're involved in mortal sin, first of all, we're all sinners. Are any of us worthy to get the Eucharist? Eh, probably not. But there's a difference between venial and mortal sin. Mm -hmm. I can't, if I go out and have an adulterous relationship with my wife, not, well, on my wife, not with my wife, right? Right. And I go up to communion, I'm making a mockery of the sacrament because I'm making, not only am I making a mockery of the sacrament of matrimony at that point by cheating on my wife, but I'm telling the church, I know better. I'm going to, I'm unrepentant. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm having so much fun on the side here. 
we can't separate our private lives from our public lives. Our faith informs our private and public lives. So with everything going on, Bill, and I know for whatever reason, this is really controversial, but if you're advocating for abortion and you're in a position of power to limit its scope, but instead you're opening the gates wide open for it to be more accessible, that flies in the face of church teaching. So are you really in communion? Hope that answers your question. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, absolutely it does. And I, I think that you make a really great point when you say that, you know, our, our faith informs both our public and our private lives, it, you know, and it transcends, you know, all aspects of our life, you know, it, it or and, and permeates all aspects of our life, really what I want to say. And, and because of that, you can't just, you know, take it out and go, oh, uh, right now I am, um, you know, in communion in this area, but I'm not really in this area. Like, like, like you just can't do that. And, um, unfortunately when, uh, you, you have a position of power or, you know, I mean, even, even when you have, uh, you know, a, a podcast, a blog, a ministry, a, you, you know, you know, you look at that and, and you do a lot more self-examination at night, <laughs> uh, right. knowing that, Hey, you know what? I, I don't live up to the, you know, I don't live up to what I'm, what I'm teaching, what I'm preaching. Um, I, I, I often say that to my pastor here. I say, you know, I just can't, I just can't go off and speak, uh, or I, you know, I can't go off and write this book. I can't, I can't do it until I go to confession. Cause I, cause I have to be able to practice what I preach. And if I can't practice what I preach, you know, then I'm just a hypocrite and I'm, and it's just empty. And so, you know, you make a great point And I, and I think that it's good for all Catholics to take a look at that because, uh, even, even though most of us, are not in uh, the the landscape of being able to change legislation on big you know moral issues like uh, abortion or physician assisted suicide or you know I I have my both of us have a single vote and and you know we exercise that vote but there are other people who have a wider more um more deep understanding and not only understanding influence on on you know society as a whole and so um i think this just helps to remind us both you know the us and all of our listeners that um how our public lives and our private lives really should uh be be in communion with one another when we do approach the altar and um and having that that time for reflection, um, I, I will ask you this though, because I think it's uh, a, a a good question. Is you know, there's there's this process along the conversion route, right? And I think there's a lot of people out there that may feel guilty because they have received communion unworthily, like, right? I mean, I know at times in my life I've done it, and sure. uh, you know, and and so and so how do how did you, when you came to grips with that, you know, kind of, you know, in the confessional or wherever you came to grips with that, like how did, what were the next steps you, you personally took, if you don't mind sharing them, you know, to be like, all right, God, uh, I'm going to do better next time, you know, and, and show others that I'm going to do better next time. What were some of the steps that you, that you took? When I went back to confession, that's one of the things I discussed. I said, well, I did all this and 
well, things I did. It was, I believe that you, I, I told him, I said, I believed what you, you guys were distributing was a cracker. And I meant, and I still don't mean any disrespect when I say that. That's what I thought at the time. Okay. Yeah. For anyone listening out there. And he's like, son, I understand that. But do you believe it now? Do you believe it's the body and blood of Jesus now? He's like, yes, I do. He's like, okay, great. Perfect. We'll see you next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but <clears throat> you said something that you said something there, Bill, all about confession. Because sometimes the argument gets said, well, all of us sin, so none of us could really have the Eucharist. There's a difference, though, between us going to confession and falling into the same sin, as opposed to, I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm just not going to go to confession. There's a big difference there. We have that repentant heart when we go to confession. And sometimes we fall again. But you just keep getting up and you try again. Um Every priest has told me, I've praise God, I've never been to a bad confessor. Ever. Thank God. Um, but the last one I the last time I went to confession, uh, my father Liam at my parish, he's awesome. But whenever you go to confession with him, it's it's a long process because he like he likes to talk, but it's fun. Not fun, but you know what I mean. It's good <laughs> advice. Yes. But he asks you the questions. He's like, Are you sorry for this? I'm like Yes. Okay, good, good, good. Because of what you've done, do you think you've hurt anyone? Yes or no? He he, he delves deeper. Yeah. Try to get to the root try to get to the root of why you maybe go into the same sin or maybe why you started thinking something. But every confessor I've been to is that it's okay if you come back for the same sin. The fact it's the Holy Spirit working on you. Mm-hmm. start being concerned when you have new sins <laughs> okay <laughs> um so i guess that's my answer to that question yeah, you know and that's and again okay. awesome because i think i think uh again there's a big difference between returning to the sacrament for the same sin and saying i'm doing nothing wrong and and i think that's a really good line for our listeners to you know let them stick in their brain that you know um don't don't ever give up you know attending the sacrament of confession don't ever give up doing doing that because uh, and and going back because that, that's exactly what satan wants you to do is is, is not show up again i mean it, it it's plain and simple he, he he's like ah you fell back into that sin man and uh therefore you're unworthy for the rest of your life and good 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 riddance goodbye good luck um and, and that's what he wants so don't don't give it to him don't give it to him um I'd love to spend a little bit of time too, uh, William, talking a little bit about your uh, ministry and and all the things that you're doing too. I mean, you know, uh, I in in the bio you blog in numerous places. You got a great podcast, uh, and so uh, tell us just a little bit about um, what's going on. And now that things are opening back up and in person again, hopefully uh, across the across the Catholic sphere um, of events. Tell us, you know, what you got going on and, and, and how people can connect with you and, and, and all the different um, different arms of your ministry. Okay. Well, it really all started with the podcast, Know the Faith, Defend the Faith. It started in June 2019, in two years now. And um, on Friday, so tomorrow as we record this, um, episode 171 will drop. Wow. It's been quite the journey have some great guests like yourself and um the kent koholsky from fiat ministry on there scott Hahn, steve ray david gray a lot of great fantastic guests and i'm just thankful 
for everyone who's come on. But it all started, really, it started with that podcast. Um, I mean, I was blogging a little bit before then, but the ministry started with the podcast. And from there, I started getting more serious into the blogging. I've left Pathios now, so I still have stuff there, but I don't write for him anymore. Okay. That's a whole other story <laughs> <laughs> with, li- with a bunch of liberalism over there. But um, so I still have stuff like on Catholic Stand. I write on my website, williamhemsworth.com. I try to do at least four or five articles a day, a week um, on, my, on my website. And a lot of the interviews that I do on my podcast are also on YouTube because I, I record on one video. So I put them up yeah. there and I just finished a book. Um, during this whole pandemic thing, it was really challenging. So I came, I started doing full-time ministry September 3rd. I left the banking industry after 15 years. Yeah. Um, pandemic starts and the kids had virtual learning at home. So I had four <laughs> kids. I had to almost homeschool, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which was a challenge because a seventh grader, a fourth grader and two second graders. Imagine the chaos that's in my house yeah, during, no. during that time. <laughs> um, wow. So things kind of took a backseat. The podcast was still happening. Yeah. Um, blogging was still happening, but not as frequent kind of, but we got through it. They went back to school on March 22nd and no joke, Bill, I finished a book in 40 days. And once they went back to school, like it was done. <laughs> um, so it's, that, that's my conversion story. Yeah. So I put my, um, for the longest time, I didn't want to write my conversion story. I did it on blog post, so mm. I made it very short. So obviously in a book, I went long form. Sure. Now it's about 120 pages. It's done. So I'm waiting to see if any publishers want it. If not, it's ready to go. I already have, I already have the file on Amazon ready to click release. Whatever. If, if I don't hear anything, it's, it's a done deal. Um, so that's out. Well, it, it will be out sometime this year fantastic lord, lord willing and i just really felt the call to uh to write that and like i said i i didn't want to do it for a long time because in my mind like what another conversion story there's so many out there but then people many people told me like well you came into the church probably for not the best reason but you were still in but then you kind of left to find your way you were searching for truth. So in a way you're kind of a convert and a revert at the same time. I think it's kind of unique. And so I was like, yeah, I'll think about it. But finally, mm-hmm. um, Holy Spirit was like, it's, it's, it's time. That's what's going on. Uh, doing a little, doing a few more interviews. I've blessed to be on your show. And before I came on this one, I was on uh, David L. Gray show on Guadalupe radio network. So just blessed to be meeting all people all over the world. Um, talking about the Catholic faith, evangelizing, um, starting an evangelism team here in Tucson with St. Paul Street Evangelization. Um, Tucson really needs it. We don't have a team here. We're a city of one million people. And we don't, and the diocese is spread really thin. It's about a 26,000 square mile diocese. (laughs) Wow. And there's no evangelism team. So hopefully we can get out there and bring some people who maybe left the church in whatever the lord wants us to do so there's a lot of moving parts to it we're just just trying to be obedient to the holy spirit and of course my wife has a big part in it because i couldn't do anything without her support she's my biggest fan and she's like you know if if this is something the lord's calling you to whether it be the podcast whatever it is she's like you need to do it you have to do it yeah and uh and i I know it's hard work (laughs) i know it's hard work and thanks you for persevering through it because 
so important. But yeah, I would love to learn a little more about the uh, street evangelization and just the stuff behind it, because I think there's a lot of people out there, too, as you said, you know, just hurting. And there's so many I mean, I, I've done some street evangelization, not a ton, but I've done some in, in, in my uh, ministerial efforts. And uh, there's just something really special about that. You know, there's something really special about um, walking up to people on the street and encountering them, you know, in the moment uh, and and how needed it is. And and you mentioned that your diocese is spread thin. I think all of our dioceses are spread thin right now. Uh, I think I think you ask any bishop and they're going to be saying, uh, yeah, we can use a lot more uh, lay people help. We can use a lot more evangelization teams out there. Uh, I think you ask that to any bishop. And they're going to tell you yes. Uh, so maybe talk to us a little bit about just the the idea behind that, what that is. And, you know, I mean, it might inspire some people to start one on their own out wherever diocese is their own. No, Bill, I have a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. He's a Southern Baptist pastor. He moved here from Kansas City to start a church. And we have a little backstory, then I'll get into it. But he told me one time, he's like, Tucson is, he said, 90% of Tucson is unchurched. And I asked him, what do you mean by unchurched? He's like, people that don't go to church. I'm like, okay, but what do you mean by that? Are you talking about because they don't go to a Southern Baptist church like you belong to? Or they just don't belong to any church? He's like, no, they don't they don't belong to a Protestant church. Like, So you're saying that Catholics are unchurched. So he's like, essentially, yes. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, fair, fair enough. I, I get it. I understand. And actually, when I was at that Baptist, when I was one, if you do, there's a lot of studies out there too, Bill, that say the second largest denomination yeah. behind Catholicism are former Catholics. Yep. Okay. They outnumber the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> Believe that or not. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a crazy statistic. Yeah. yeah. And so the whole idea behind street evangelization, especially here in Tucson, and we're doing it through St. Paul Street Evangelization. Is just to be out there. We're not really approaching people. We're going to set up a table in public areas. We're going to have pamphlets, rosaries, miraculous medals, whatever the case is. Um, signs saying, you know, prayer, free prayer. You know, just to pray for people. Be there. Be there for people. Ask questions. Mm-hmm. Bill, take that second stat I said. You know, the biggest religious group, the second biggest religious group in America is former Catholics. Mm-hmm. Odds are they weren't they don't know their faith really. They didn't know their faith really well. So they left, which is kind of like my case. I didn't believe what the Eucharist was. So for all intents and purposes, I left. Yeah. But if we can get out there, even if it's one person, I know it's a cliche, but I, and in my heart of hearts, I mean it, even if it's one person to get them back into the church. And it's all, that's all. And it's all the work of the Holy spirit. It's not William's work. It's the Holy spirit working through us for whatever we're doing. If you have one person back into the church, it's really worth it. And I say Tucson needs it because the community we're in, there's a lot, there are a lot of lapsed Catholics here. Um, there, and I, you talk about my friend, the Southern Baptist pastor, since he came, since he came, I believe it was 10 years ago, there have been, I believe 12 more Southern Baptist churches planted in Tucson. Who are they going after? Those former Catholics. Yeah. So we need to get them back somehow, some way. And if sometimes we, they're not, they're not going to the parishes, so we need to go to them. Yeah. 
That's really what it, that's what it boils down to. Pamphlets, we can pray for them. Who do, who's going to turn down free prayer? I've never heard anybody. Even if even atheists don't turn down free prayer, they may not believe it, but they're not going to turn it down just in case it's real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, so that's okay. a that's a way to show love to the community. Like we're praying for you. We belong to this church up the street. Why don't you come? We have masses here. We're having this this program here. Whatever the case is, just to invite them, mm-hmm. to give that invitation to come home. That's what it's about. Give people an invitation to come home. Yeah. And, you know, folks, um, we one of the cool things about this program, William, is the fact that uh, so many uh, different people listen to this. We've had people uh, in India listen to this program who are, aren't even Christian. Uh, you know, they're Hindus uh, and they listen to this. And so, uh, folks, if if you are one of those people that's out there, uh, you know, that is maybe you consider yourself a fallen away Catholic or a lapsed Catholic. Uh, maybe you consider yourself, you know, not religious atheist, whatever it is, you might be hearing what William's saying, you know, just about the invitation, uh, that invitation to come and explore more or come home, um, you know, today and right now, you know, just, just think about that and internalize it. Uh, this could be your invitation right here to come back to the Catholic Church, to step foot inside a Catholic Church or explore an RCIA program for the first time. Uh, there, there are so many different avenues uh, to, to draw you closer to Christ, the truth um, of the Catholic faith. And so uh, we, both of us just invite you, um, you know, if, if, if you're fall, falling away or you're uh, curious, if you're, um, if you're not religious at all, if you're atheist, you know, where, where would you say for them to start? I, I know you have amazing resources, but where, where would you say uh, for them to start if, if they are just, you know, wanting to learn more or wanting to come back to the Catholic Church? How would, how would you get that process started? If you're interested in coming back to the Catholic Church, I guess first and foremost, call your local parish. Uh, call, call them up. Let them know. One well, honestly, if you were a Catholic, if you were already a Catholic, you received first communion, and all that. It's a, even if you went, you had confirmation, and then left after that. It's as simple as going to confession. Really, it's really all there is to it. There, if you want to learn more about the church, obviously your RCA program at your local parish will have is a good resource. To, when you go to RCA and sign up for it, you're not obligated. You're not you're not obligated to join the church come Easter. Definitely, that's an option. And we pray that you would, but it's an option to explore. There was a gentleman, Bill, in RICA class at my parish about three years ago. He finally finished the process his fifth time through. Hmm. Like, he just said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then finally, he's like, I'm ready. But he went through that thing five times. So there's no obligation. But like Bill said, there's a lot of free resources out there. If you go to Catholic Answers, for example, Catholic.com, they have a search bar. You can type in whatever you want. Church teaching on the Eucharist, uh, church teaching, you know, proofs for God. You're going to have unlimited resources pop up there. Mm-hmm. And all of them are free. Magazine <laughs> articles, Catholic encyclopedia, talks, whatever the case is. There's no shortage of resources at all. So I'd, I'd say definitely start with your local parish first if you're interested. And then from there, there's no shortage of resources online. Catholic Answers is a great one. Um, oh, what was another one? Catholics Come Home is a great one. Mm-hmm. Catholics Come Home is a great resource as well. 
St. Paul Street Evangelization has a ton of free resources on there. Most Catholic apostolates have many things for free. <laughs> okay. Oh, <yeah. laughs> many things for free because yes, we want to make money at this because we have families to feed, but at the same time, we want people to come to the truth and a lot of the stuff is available for free. So no shortage of resources. No, you're right about that. And, uh, and there, there's a reason why the Holy spirit calls us into doing ministry, calls you into doing ministry. It's, it, it's, it is not to become uh, the next, you know, Bill Gates of the universe. It's not, uh, you know, God, God is going to provide too. And um, you know, that's, Sometimes it's a roller coaster ride. It's like you know you're gripping on, like okay, God, you got to provide here right now. Um, but uh, when we when we trust Him, uh, we know that He oh He He always comes through. He's ne- He's never failed me. He's never failed me in that. So, um, and yeah. and I'm sure you can say the same. So, um, you know, we have a passion for reaching people. We have a passion for um, getting out there in you know in our in our uh, in our church and. Uh, and, and I love that I hear that from you. I love that I hear that from you, you know, that, that, that real passion, especially stand on a street corner, uh, get, gather prayers, get people together. Uh, that is such an amazing, um, you know, uh, a part of your ministry to be able to, rec- to recognize and realize to do that. Um, any, anything that uh, we're totally like missing on that you want to m- mention or, or talk about here? Uh, as we kind of wind down the program, we got about 10 minutes left. What do you, any, anything that uh, I'm like, Oh, Bill didn't ask me that. I really want him to ask me this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, I've said that, that for anyone listening. And I, I struggled this when I, when I first came into the church is what do I do? We've all been given a gift. Every single one of us has been given a gift and we've been given a, given a gift to help the church. Um, someone may be a good teacher, some, a good administrator. Whatever the case is, there's no job in the church that's unimportant. Okay? Mm-hmm. At all. You can wash the linens for the altar, clean the parish, whatever the case is, it's all needed. It's all important. You're important. The gift you've been given is important. So don't think just because you're not the priest or the deacon on the altar that what you have to offer is not important. The priest will be the first to tell you that we need you. I can't do it by myself. Someone's got to teach. I can't teach eight, 10 religious education classes at one time. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. It's not feasible. I can't be in the parish cleaning the. I can't be in the church cleaning the church and be at the hospital visiting people at the same time. We're a community. We're the body of Christ. That's what we're called. We're the body of Christ. St. Paul says that, you know, one hand is not any less important than the head. We're the body. We need each other to function. So whatever gift you have, I just encourage, explore what that gift is. Chances are you already know what it is. Explore it. Find a way to apply it. Because I promise you, it's you're, you're valuable and you, you're a great asset. And, you know, without it, too, right? Like without the gift, the church lacks, you know, yes, I, I always used to um, it, you just said reminded me of uh, a game I used to play with uh, confirmation students. Uh, when I was first in ministry, somebody pointed this out. It was a great game and I, I kind of took it and stole it from her uh, in ministry where we took mousetrap, the game of mousetrap. I remember pretty remember mousetrap, probably play it with the kids. Right. Uh, it's that it's that uh, Rube Goldberg device game. Right. 
And what what I did at Christmas time actually was a feast of Saint Nicholas. Normally, uh, is I would wrap every piece in the game up in wrapping paper like a, like a present, and I would give one piece to each of the students, and and I would give them this talk about you know having the gifts and you know the body of Christ and you know the hand is not you know, the hand is not greater than the head and all of that. Right? We would talk about that, and then I'd say open up your gift, and they would scream mousetrap, right? Um, and they'd put this thing together. Just you, know, you didn't have to tell them to put it together. They just knew what to do, put it together. And then, and then I would say, all right, well, what happens if I take off the green boot here? The whole thing doesn't work. What, what happens if I take off the net? The whole thing doesn't work. And what you just said is so important because if, if we don't all use our gifts and use them well, then God's plan for of salvation for the world doesn't get achieved and it, and and it's it's lacking in some way it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen he will he will always find someone to say yes let, 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 let me say that he'll always find someone to say yes but it will be lacking in some way and and he will be disappointed it's like you know come on this i'm missing my green boot you know be the green boot i i I like to think I'm not a very good green boot because I don't kick people in you know the rear very well. But but I might be a good yellow bucket or or a marble that rolls down the stairs, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you know. And so that is just so uh, important and and beautiful. Uh, as we wrap up, William, give me uh, your website and all that good stuff for people uh, to find you and and tune into the podcast and everything that you have. Uh, going on there too because that's um, because it's, it's exciting and, and folks please listen to this stuff it's amazing William does an amazing job well thank you for that Bill the website is williamhemsworth.com and from there you're going to have the various links um, you're going to have a link for the Know the Faith podcast a link for the YouTube channel everything's there just williamhemsworth.com awesome well William thank you so much for being with me today here on Sewing Hope it's been uh, it's such a pleasure we certainly have to have you back because there's so much stuff we can continue talking about it's just it has been so amazing thank you so much it's a pleasure being here thanks for the invite of God course bless you. thank you folks and uh, big thanks to um, everybody at Patchwork Heart Ministry Fiat Ministry Network and the St. Raymond Donatus Foundation until next time keep beating to your Catholic hearts and sowing hope into broken hearts Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.